Hello and welcome to the Property Investing Australia podcast, where we'll be covering the right way to invest in property without taking the unnecessary risks, how to manage your money, and how to build the right mindset so that you can achieve your financial and wealth building goals. I'm your host, Nero Dambi Pillay. Hi, it's Nero here from Investment Rise. And if you're a first time investor or a beginner investor and you want to get started in 2022 and you want to build a property portfolio that pays your passive income each and every month, then I'm here to tell you that you absolutely can get started in 2022. And today I'm going to show you a proven seven step recipe on how you can get started. Now, of course, with all this talk about how much uh, house prices rose in 2021 and potentially interest rates rising uh, later on in 2022, you might be wondering, well, is now even the time to get started or have you missed the, the boat? All right. And if that's you, then stay with me because I'm going to address that quite clearly as we go through these seven steps. Okay. But before I share with you what this seven step process is, I want to begin by giving you four do not do's in 2022, all right? So these are four things that I do not want you to do, especially as you start your property investing journey, okay? So number one, do not go onto realestate.com.au or domain or any other property listing site to do your research, okay? Now, I don't personally have any problem with these websites, but I have been helping people now invest in property since 2010. And over that period of time, I have met too many first-time investors who have spent every waking hour either getting up early before work or staying up late uh, after work, uh, spending all their weekends on online websites trying to do research and often coming away more confused than ever not sure which suburbs or markets to go for, what the right price is, and they really come away more frustrated than, than ever before, and just with a bigger headache and a lack of sleep, all right? So again, realestate.com.au and any other property site, I don't have a problem with them, but that's not where you start. If anything, these are sites that you only look at towards the end of your research process, not the beginning. Number two, do not follow the latest report talking about what the latest hotspot is going to be, okay? And look, I know that's very enticing to do. You see a so-called expert talking about this particular suburb and that's where you should be in investing, okay? But there's two problems with this and I've seen this happen. Both these problems happen over the last 11 years that I've been helping people, okay? Number one, the suburb itself and the research behind it is a little shaky, shall, shall we say, okay? And perhaps the fundamentals aren't there, and yet people rush in to, to buy based off these, these, these so-called reports, and it creates a bit of a false demand, a temporary demand. So people say, oh look, prices are rising, you saw this report, you've gotta get in. But once all the frenzy dies down, what happens? Prices often come back down again, right? They rise for in the short term uh, based on this demand that really isn't intrinsic demand. It's based on, I guess, a, a little bit of greed and maybe naive investors following some, blindly following some report, but the fundamentals aren't there. So once a frenzy dies down, 
prices come back down to where they were or worse, they come back to below where, where they were. Okay, and we saw this happen in a lot of mining towns, uh, sort of between 2012 to 2014, okay, where prices dropped to half of what people bought them for. Okay, so that's the first reason why I wouldn't necessarily just blindly follow these reports. But secondly, if the fundamentals are right, and if the research behind this report's prediction are correct, the problem is though that you've missed most of the capital growth. Right? Because by the time this so-called suburb is now hitting these reports and maybe hitting some of the, maybe the property investing magazines or maybe hitting the mainstream media, a lot of the capital growth has already gone. What you want to do is actually start to invest in suburbs before they reach mainstream media. Okay, And so that's why I wouldn't necessarily recommend blindly following these reports because I said even if the fundamentals are right, you've missed out on most of the capital growth. You might get a little bit or you might even get none at all if you are too late. Number three, do not blindly go out and just invest uh, where friends and family are telling you to, okay? Even if someone in your inner circle might be an experienced investor, for example, they might have bought a number of properties maybe 10, 15 years ago in Sydney or Melbourne and have done remarkably well, okay? The thing is in 2022, the market's in a very different position than it was say 10 or 15 years ago, all right? And you can't just blindly follow that uh, uh, advice, okay? I'll share with you what you should be doing in a moment, but definitely don't just blindly go and say, oh, my uncle uh, bought in XYZ suburb and he made so much money, he said I should go there, that's why I'm going to, going to invest, okay? That's the wrong thing to do in 2022. And finally, number four, do not, and if there's any of these four do not do's that you choose to actually uh, follow, it's this last one, and that's do not go and buy an off the plan apartment in 2022, okay? And I can tell you this, it's gonna be incredibly tempting as this year goes on. Why? Because in many suburbs, house prices have risen far more than uh, apartment prices. And a lot of investors will say, oh look, I can't afford a house there, so I'll just buy a, a unit. But if we learn anything from 2021, it's that house price performance and unit price performance are not correlated, okay? There are many suburbs where house prices took off, but apartments stayed roughly the same, okay? And but with rent now starting to, to rise around the country, both in the house market and the unit market, okay? There is gonna be an increase in apartment prices in some markets. And so I'm gonna see, I bet many investors go, I'm gonna buy that off the plan a unit. But with the strong likelihood that there's gonna be oversupply in many of these markets where off the plan units are being released, I really believe that your capital growth is gonna be compromised and there's a better way to, to do it. And I think the primary rule here will be to stick to freestanding houses. And if you can't afford a particular suburb, uh, that's okay. When you follow these this next seven steps I'm gonna share with you, you can go and do your research and look outside of perhaps where you live or outside maybe a 10 to 15 kilometer radius around where you live and find other suburbs where there are houses in short supply with good, strong potential growth. Now, you might be a little confused because these four do not do's that I just mentioned, well, they're where almost all first-time investors begin, right? If you ask almost anyone uh, out there who is trying to do it on their own, more than likely, 
They're gonna be trying to do one of these four things. And here I am telling you that you should not be doing any of those, those four things, especially when you get started with your property investing journey. Okay, so then where do you begin? Well, that's when we begin with the seven steps. And step one, as basic as it is, it's a step that I see so many people not even consider, and it's this. Can you afford to buy an investment property? All right. Now, this does not mean that necessarily you're talking about your borrowing capacity. I'm not talking about how much equity you might have. Here's what I mean by that. When I'm asking someone, can you afford an investment property? What I want to know is, how much money are you saving each and every month? Because if you're not saving money each and every month, if essentially all the income you're, you're getting is going out on your expenses, okay, then it's more than likely that property investing isn't right for you just yet. Okay, You might need to go back and look at your spending plan, look at your, your, your income and see how you can create a buffer because you really want to be ensuring that there is some surplus money each and every month. First of all, because that goes to savings, which then helps you get into a stronger position to invest. Firstly, yes. But secondly, all property investing carries risk. Okay, I, If someone tells you that there is zero risk uh, here, they're either blindly naive or they're trying to flog you something. Okay, All property investing carries risk. So you want to make sure that you have a financial buffer in place just to ride it through. Okay, so that's the first step is can you afford property? Translation, what's your monthly surplus? And maybe you are saving, but you have no idea. You just feel like, oh, there's, there's more money at the end of the month than there was when we started, so we must be okay. What I would strongly suggest is just take some time to get a good idea of how much are you saving, okay? Because that step, that's this first step, getting clear on this, is gonna help you as we move through the, the next steps in, in our journey. Okay, so that was step one. Step two is what I called GCS. Your goals, your constraints, and your strategy. All right, here's what I mean. The first thing is, why are you looking to invest in property? Okay, are you looking to try and make a quick gain over the next 12 months? Are you more, more of a low risk in, investor? You're looking to, to buy property, it, that gives you a positive surplus cash flow each and every month in suburbs with good, with good growth potential and you want to just sort of set and forget and then look to replicate every two to three years and build up a portfolio over 10 years. Okay, Just those two goals will mean that you're going to have very different strategies. right? So be clear on your goals, then get clear on your strategy, but also on your constraints. All right? And why I mention this because a lot of people get involved in more advanced property investing strategies because it sounds great on, on paper, whoever's sold you the, the particular uh, strategy or scheme um, has made it sound very, very attractive. I get all that, but is it physically possible? All right. I once had, had a client, he was a dentist, he just moved interstate and his wife had um, just had twins. Okay, So he was very busy, right? Down to one income and he wanted to then take on a, some sort of small development project, not where he'd moved to, no, but interstate. And when I asked him, I said, with your busy practice seeing patients, so you know, it's not as if you've got time during the day, and supporting your, your young, young family, where are you gonna get the time to actually do this particular development? 
he just looked at me, you know, a bit with, with eyes, just grew wide like dinner plates because he'd never considered it. Okay, he didn't have any contacts. He didn't know who the right people to, to work with were. He had no idea. He'd done his numbers correctly. And sure, the project was attractive on paper, but because he didn't have the time or the right team around him, odds were that he was gonna end up in a lot of trouble. Okay, so be clear on your constraints. Maybe for you, it's you don't have enough time to do your, your research. Maybe you're someone who doesn't even wanna do all, all your research, okay? Well, if that's the case, you need to make sure then that you're getting the right professional help. Okay? Or maybe you are someone who can do your research, but you just want some mentoring to make sure that you're doing it correctly. Well, then now you know what kind of help to actually go and get, right? So when you're clear on your constraints, you can then start building the right team around you and then work, make sure you implement the right strategy to achieve your goals. Then step three, get clear on your borrowing capacity. Now, my team, we have a, a fully fledged broking service I'm here, so we help a lot of our clients because a lot of our clients come to us, they have a good idea of how much they're saving each and every month and what their goals are, but they haven't got clear on their borrowing capacity, okay? But whether you enlist our services or whether you decide to go out and get another broker, first thing is make sure you're working with someone when they're working out your borrowing capacity Work with someone who either is an existing investor, so ask them, do you invest in property, right? And then make sure that they've also helped other investor clients. Because if someone who's working at your borrowing capacity doesn't do it correctly, you could end up being shortchanged and missing out on opportunities, okay? So get clear on your borrowing capacity, all right? Now, let's just say for argument's sake, you end up with a borrowing capacity of $800,000, right? Well, then that brings us to step four. And step four is, what kind of property should you buy? Should you buy a property for $800,000 and max out your borrowing capacity? Or should you go and buy maybe two cheaper properties for $400,000, okay? It's a very common question that I get. Well, the answer to that is, going back to step two, well, what are your goals and your strategy, all right? Is your goal trying to get maximum capital growth and you're not so interested in, in, in cash flow, okay? Well, then the odds are you're probably gonna end up buying something closer to that $800,000 mark because you wanna buy in, in areas where there's, there's short supply, uh, good infrastructure, strong jobs growth, all those sorts of things. If you're someone who wants to get better cash flow, then you might need to look at things a little differently, all right? But the key thing is to get clear on your goals. Now, do not make the mistake of thinking, oh, I'm just getting started, so I wanna buy a cheap property. Okay, because remember, not all property performs the same way, all right? And there is no point buying a, say, a $400,000 property that only gives you $350 a week in rent. Okay, it's gonna be slightly positive, but it gives you very little in capital growth. Better to buy an $800,000 property that gives you, say, $650 a week in, in rent, okay? So the rental return may not be so good, but it's gonna give you 10% plus in, in terms of capital growth, okay? So you need to get clear on your, on your goals Personally, we work with um, clients who are looking to buy property low risk that gives them positive cash flow in areas with good growth potential. Okay, and generally, what I like to do is say, well, if you're going for if your capacity is eight hundred thousand, leave a bit in the kitty. All right, what I mean by that is maybe aim for something for six hundred or six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, give yourself a bit of leeway. Why? You don't know what the future is going to hold, right? You might need to, I don't know, do some extra renovations on your, on your home. You need to go out and, and borrow a little bit more against your home or whatever the case is. When it comes to investing in property, your borrowing capacity is virtually your most important asset. You need to protect it 
as best you can. So yes, whenever you're buying property, odds are that your capacity will decrease for the future. But if you can focus on maybe buying a little bit less than what your borrowing capacity allows and ensuring that you're buying property where the rents are covering not just the mortgage, but all the costs and maybe giving you a bit extra, it's then gonna allow you to get into property number two and three more quickly, okay? But the good thing with borrowing capacity is that when you align your borrowing capacity with your goals and your strategy, it allows you to focus on a particular price point that you can aim at, which then helps you start focusing on which suburbs you should be targeting. And then we get to step five, right? I mean, you've got clear on, on everything about yourself, your goals, your strategies, your constraints, your budget, your borrowing capacity, all of that. But now, where do you get started, all right? And so you really then need to start doing your, your research. And I would say, and I've said this in past episodes, we've, it's become very clear in 2021 that supply and demand are the absolute key factors in terms of looking at capital growth, okay? And so as a result of that, you need to be looking at, well, what suburbs are gonna give you a surplus of demand over supply? okay, or an excess of demand over supply, all right? Now, when we talk about interest rates, that's gonna feed into it because a rise in interest rates is gonna affect people's affordability, okay? Um, and so you need to look at, well, what areas have very good affordability right now where an increase in interest rates is not really going to affect it, okay? And remember, as an investor, if you're focusing on suburbs that give you positive cash flow, well, when rates rise, you're still gonna be positive or at least neutral, okay? And then remember, you also get negative gearing benefits. So an increase in interest rates, you don't end up paying the full amount, right? You get a bit of a tax deduction based on whatever your tax rate is, okay? But here's the other thing. In my experience, and as I said, I've been helping people invest in property since 2010, but I've personally been investing in property now since 2002. And over that period of time, so that's 20 years, I've seen rates rise and rates fall. And here's what I can tell you. When interest rates rise, generally three to six months later, you will see rent start to rise as well, okay? Because as of what I said a bit earlier on, as rates rise, people can't afford as much. So therefore, more people start to rent. So as an investor, if you're targeting those suburbs that you're getting positive cash flow, uh, strong rental demand or, or already, then a rise in interest rates really isn't gonna impact you uh, very much at, at all, okay? And so then where do you begin by trying to find these areas that have got uh, strong demand over supply, okay? Look, you can definitely pay for it. CoreLogic perhaps can, can, can give you that, okay? Or you can go to the Australian Bureau of, of Statistics, start looking at, well, you know, what the demand is for individual suburbs, then compare that to say, what, what are the listings on realestate.com.au, which is indicative of supply, and start to cross-correlate, okay? Or you can get some professional help, right? But whatever the case is, you wanna be clear that the suburbs you're looking to target, there is an excess of demand over supply. And even if they're building new homes in that suburb, that's fine as long as the demand is rising faster than the oncoming supply. So then we come to step six. So let's say you have now done all your research, you found your, your, your right suburbs, you've gone and secured a, a, a property. Now, how does, equity work and how do you use that property as a stepping stone to the next one, all right? Well, obviously everyone's situation is gonna be different, so this is not advice, this is just general. So let's begin with a hypothetical situation. Let's say you went and bought a property for $600,000, okay? 
you put a 20% deposit down plus your costs. So 20% of 600,000 is 120. Let's allow an extra $20,000 for costs. And I mean costs like stamp duty, legals, etc. Okay, so say you put down $140,000 to secure this $600,000 property. Now remember 20% was your deposit, so $120,000 was your deposit, which means your loan was 80% or $480,000. Okay, great. Now, let's assume this property grows by 10% per annum per se the next, uh, on average next two years. Okay, now, in 2021, there were many suburbs that grew at 20%, 30%, I understand that, but let's just use 10% uh, just to make the numbers uh, easy and be a little bit conservative, okay? Look, there are definitely suburbs in 2022 that I expect will rise at 20% plus again, all right? But let's just use 10% here, okay? So, you buy something for $600,000. After year one, it's worth $660,000, okay? Then after year two, it rises by another 10%. So what 10% of 660 is? That's 66. So 660 plus $66,000 is $726,000. Okay, so the property you bought for $600,000, after two years, assuming an average median growth of 10% each year, after two years is worth $726,000. Now, let's just say that you wanna now use the equity of that particular property. Okay, so you go to the bank, let's just say they value it at the $726,000 and you decide, okay, you wanna take an 80% loan against that property. So $726,000 times 80% will give you 580,800, right? Remember your original loan was $480,000. Okay, so 580,800 less $480,000, let's keep the numbers easy, gives you $100,000 in equity that you can pull out, okay? Now that money can go into a savings account, an offset account, and go to wherever you want it to go. It's gonna land in your uh, account, generally speaking, okay? Now, let's also say that you've been, you bought a property that's positively cash flowed, and because of that, and because you're also saving each and every month, let's say you've been saving $2,000 a month every month, okay? So that means over a year, that's $24,000. Over two years, that's $48,000. So you've got $100,000 in equity, plus $48,000 in savings, that's $148,000, okay? Now again, assuming you've got the, the borrowing capacity to go again, you would then look to maybe buy another property for 600 or maybe 620, whatever the case happens to be, all right? And then you'll have, you have two properties rising in value, okay? And when they reach a certain threshold, you will then, again, go to the bank, get another uh, drawdown of equity, and go again. That's how you rinse and repeat, okay? now. Again, I'm saying that you're buying one property maybe in 2022, you're buying another one in 2024, you might not buy another one until 2026, 2027. That's okay. The plan I'm giving you here is very conservative, very low risk, okay? Now, of course, if you don't have that amount of equity to begin with, you might need to look at maybe being more aggressive with your lending and looking at maybe 85% or 90% loans. Uh, you might need to look at things a little bit differently, but again, it's just based on, you need to get clear on the plan and whoever you're going to for advice, make sure that they're putting in place a plan for you that's right for you, your current situation, your risk profile, your circumstances, okay? If they're not considering these things, then perhaps they're not the right advisor for you, okay? But that's essentially how you rinse and repeat and how you grow your portfolio using each property as a stepping stone to future purchases. And then step seven is 
to manage your portfolio. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about the property manager who's looking after the tenant and everything associated with that. I'm talking about you at least annually reviewing your, your portfolio, looking at the, the value increase, looking at the expenses, looking at what you think is going to happen for the future in the market. Because remember, property investing is a, is a process, okay? It's not a one-off lottery uh, event. You're not going to you know, necessarily strike it rich with just your first property, okay? You need to keep managing it and looking at it. And sure, it might have performed well over the last, say, five years, for example. That's awesome. But now you need to project forward and say, well, is this property still worth holding for the next five years? Is my money getting the best return that it possibly can for my situation and my goals? All right? That's what you want to be constantly looking at so that you're reevaluating your portfolio, you and your advisor are, so then you know when to buy a next property, when perhaps you need to look to, to sell, to rejig things. Maybe you know there's different life goals that have come on board, like maybe you want to now upgrade your home and maybe you want to use some of the equity in your investment properties to do that. What's the best way of structuring it? Okay. But either way, if you can follow these seven steps, okay, uh, to really do your research, get the right properties for you, be clear on your goals and your constraints and your strategies, and just be patient and follow the process. I really believe that even if you have not invested at all before and you start in 2022, right? Here's what I can tell you. There will be people who get started with their investing in 2022 who in 10 years time will be in a strong financial position with passive income coming from their properties. Will that be you? Well, I guess that depends on whether you're willing to get started and these seven steps will help you get started safely. I wish you all the best with your investing. Hi, it's Nero here again and thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, and you're looking for a full blueprint on how to invest in property to gain a passive income, then go to Nero Book, that's N-I-R-O Book, B-O-O-K, go to nerobook.com.au to get a free copy of my book, Wake Up Wealthier, How to Build a Property Portfolio That Pays You an Income each and every month. Now, I used to sell this book for $47, but for a limited time, I'm giving you both the digital version and the audio version totally for free. Now, the reason I'm doing that is because I want to give more people a chance to get this information. Plus, I also know that a certain number of you, when you go through the book, will like what you see and you'll reach out um, to find out more about our future services. But even if you don't, that's okay because the book itself is a full blueprint about how to build a property portfolio that pays your passive income, even if you've never invested before. So if that's what you want, then go to nerobook.com.au to get your free